And uh, thank you for that. Um, thank you, uh, men and women who have served on behalf of uh, our freedoms here in this country. I've been to Bolivia twice over the last couple, uh, several months, and um, that's where we have uh, a mission field and 175 churches. Uh, now, after seven year, 70 years of planting churches and raising up ministers in Bolivia, and uh, the freedom and the, the uh, securities that we have here that are hard fought for, and there's many, uh, many sacrifices made are not taken for granted, especially what's going on over there and all the unsettledness of an election in a supposedly democratic society. So pray for our, our missionaries over there, two families over there right now, trying to figure out if we should pull them back or not, uh, just because of all the unrest. But uh, thank you for that, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. So greetings from the Cowenhoven cohort, cohort. I often feel like many of us in our cohort are, are at risk as well, because there's just so many of them. We have uh, 11 kids. We have six adopted kids and five biological kids. So we have my wife and my youngest, so you pile 10 upon that guy, and then you know what he's living with right there. So, so greetings from them, and it's just, it's just great to be here with you all. Um, I, it's been a while since I've been here, and uh, I have relationships, long-standing relationships with many of you. Uh, I served an interim capacity as superintendent here for a while. This was pre-Mike Lotzer, and uh, many of you were a part of that whole experience, and you're just glad that we've moved on from there, right? So from, from here, I went to serve another uh, interim and in, uh, helping out in Sumner, and then in uh, Crossroads, South Sioux City, Waycross, up in Brooklyn Park, down to uh, Bellevue, Illinois, and now Hinton, Iowa. And in every one of those cases, there's a season praying through God raise up the next pastor, shepherd, leader for that congregation. And he's done it faithfully. And it's amazing. The last one was this, this, this young guy named Jake Moyer in the church down in Bella. Small little place. In fact, it's the only place where Siri has ever dropped me. She says, you're here, you've arrived. And then she says, goodbye. And I was gone right there in the middle of nowhere. Didn't know where the church was. Finally found the church. And, uh, and over time, God has raised up this young man named Jake Moyer and his wife, Amber. And he, he sings like, I don't even know, like Keith Urban. I don't, who's a modern country singer? He's got this incredible country voice, plays the guitar, amazing, has these, the preaching ability of second to none in this tiny little town with 50 people, they have no idea what they got. And I wanna say the same thing here. I wanna, I wanna raise up this, this uh, reality. Do you know what you got here? I, I think you do, but I just want to encourage you. Um, God has richly blessed me, our conference, and you as a church through Mike and Erica Lotzer. It is just really, yeah. It is just really fun to be teamed up uh, with you guys during this season of life and ministry. Um, so I think my task this morning, I'm just going to kind of clarify that. I think my task is we're talking about moving from kind of a mindset of scarcity to abundance, a mindset of generosity. Um, I think uh, my task is to take us through uh, the passage of Luke 
chapter 12. That's what I'm shooting for. That's what you're getting regardless of <laughs> if I got it right or not. That's where we're going. Now, we're going to take kind of a circuitous route to get there, so don't be concerned. We're going to, we're going to get there. But we're going to start with the whole idea of the overall big picture of the Gospel of Luke. Then we're going to read a passage, and then we're going to pray. So in Luke chapter 19, let me just reference this. Luke, the physician, Luke, the historian, has set out to encourage lovers of God, Theophilus, you and I, and he's set out to raise up Jesus Christ. And by the way, as a preacher, I really have three objectives. Only one do I really participate in. The first one is to raise up the written, amazing, inspired words of God. And it's my job to participate with the Holy Spirit and give you words of life. The second objective is that you would encounter the living Lord through these words, Jesus Christ, that you would come to see him. For that, we are utterly dependent upon our Father. Oh God, pull back the veil today. May we see Jesus. The third objective is where you participate. When he... God willing, I believe it to be so, when he pulls back the veil this morning and you see Jesus, may you do the only natural, rational thing. Fall on your face before him and say, my God, my King. For to who else would I turn? You have the words of life. You are the word of life rule and reign in me, right? And so that's our objective. Luke's objective, and he says it in Luke chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. Today, salvation has come to this house. He's talking to Zacchaeus, who's up in a tree looking for life. Today, salvation has come to his, this house since he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost to seek and to save the lost. Now, we're not just talking about lost eternally. We're talking about people who are wandering in this life, looking for significance, looking for belonging, looking for life. And that's what Luke's objective is. In our passage, if you back up to Luke chapter 11 before we read, we have this interesting story, verse uh, 27, Luke chapter 11. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those, Jesus said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. You see what's going on here is Jesus is saying, I have come to seek and to save the lost. That's why I've come. I have come to give a roadmap I have come to give directions. I have come to give words of life to the lost. Blessed are those who not just hear the words of God, the words of life, but to those who follow the words of life, right? Blessed are those. And he goes through and he, he then begins to deal with fears in the following verses leading up eventually to our passage. He begins to deal with fears that prevent us 
from hearing and listening to following the words of life. And the first fear that he deals with is really the fear of man, the fear of man's wisdom, the fear of man's supposed knowledge. And you can see this in his confrontation with the Pharisees and the lawyers, right? If we were to read it, we don't have time to do all that this morning. But there's this amazing confrontation. And he's saying, people, if you're going to hear the words of life and follow the words of life, you have to overcome the fear of man, the fear of man's philosophies, knowledge. Man who would say, we have proof, scientific evidence, there is no God. And we sometimes cave to that, and the result of caving to that is what? Insignificance. Why, why then do we live? Why do we exist? If there is no God, why not just eat, drink, and be merry? And we cave, but there's another way of caving to the philosophies of man, and that is through people like the Pharisees and the lawyers and the legalists of the religious community who would say there is a God, but in order to be accepted significant in God's eyes, you have to meet this standard or that standard, keep this law or that law, act like this or act like that. And we know where that ends as well. Frustration, futility, if that's what God requires, who can attain? And overcoming this fear of man's knowledge and man's philosophy might require us to stand up and have our own personal se session of pronouncing woes upon the lies of this world. Right? Isn't that an amazing passage? Jesus gets invited into a Pharisee's house and there's lawyers there. They sit down at a table and he sits down next to them and the first words out of his mouth are, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And then he goes through and calls them things like whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones while they're eating together in their house. I mean, talking about how to win friends and influence people, right? Jesus is writing the book right here on this whole thing. In fact, after he pronounces a few woes, if you read it, after he pronounces a few woes, one of the lawyers says, um, Jesus, you're, you're kind of offending us lawyers as you're kind of going after the Pharisees here. And Jesus says, oh, really? I meant to be more specific. Woe to you, lawyers. <laughs> and then he goes a whole list of why the lawyers should be woed upon. And some of us need to just have this morning our own personal woe session where we say, woe to you, lies of the who say that there is no God and therefore there is no significance. No, there is a God and we see him in the face of Jesus Christ. And there is a purpose and he's created me for it. It doesn't even stop with his own personal woe session. He goes out into the public and people are clamoring. They're walking over the top of each other and he stands up and he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And gets into everything. We just need to stand up this morning, overcome this fear of the knowledge of man and know that there is a God who is seen in the face of Jesus, who is truth, who knows the way, he is the way and say, thank you, Jesus, right? 
The next fear he actually deals with overcoming, if we're going to, this is eventually going to get to generosity, but if we're going to overcome the lies of this world, if we're going to be able to take Jesus, the roadmap he gives us, we have to overcome the fear of knowledge. We also have to overcome the fear of death. He says, don't be afraid of the person that can kill the body. Be afraid of the one who, after dying, has authority over your eternity. Overcome this fear of death. And we have, I think many of us as Christians still have an unwarranted fear of death. And it's exemplified in many different fashions. Some of us obsess over working out and diets and um, all kinds of uh, uh, things we do with our faces and bodies and everything else. And it just comes out as a, as a fear of death. And in fact, we're so bound up by it, we're not, we can't even live. Do you know that? I, I've experienced that. I have this irrational fear of seas and snakes. Absolutely irrational. And I have to, I have to constantly come back to know death is not anymore the ultimate enemy. Where is your sting, O death? There is life in Christ and freedom to live this life that he has blessed us with. I'm heading over to Liberia in a few days. I'm going to spend 12 hours over an ocean, getting a sea, getting to a land filled with snakes. Ah! And you better believe me, the whole time over that, every time we hit turbulence, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> me and the Ethiopians, whenever you hit turbulence riding with Ethiopians, they say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The whole plane is going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's me flying overseas, getting to snakes, right? God, help us overcome our fear of death in Christ who is resurrected to newness of life. And as the first fruits, he is beckoning us to live this life freely because death is no longer our enemy. He is overcome. Isn't that good news? Another fear that he says we got to overcome if we're going to follow the roadmap and live the words of life is the fear of rejection. You know that most people are more afraid of public speaking than dying? You think that's really weird. And the reality is it's rooted in a fear of rejection. I'm ultimately concerned about what other people think about me. And Jesus deals with that. Don't worry about being rejected by man. Be worried about being rejected by God Almighty. Don't worry about what they think about you. Worry about standing with Christ, saying, yes, he's it. Right? And then the fear that we're going to look at here this morning is the fear of the future. The fear of limited resources. The fear of scarcity. The fear of insecurity. There's a lot of that, right? And so with that in mind, we're friendly to the message part. So would you stand up with me? And in Luke chapter 12, we're going to read these verses and then pray. And then we're going to drive this road home. Luke chapter 12. We stand because these are the inspired, inerrant, infallible words of God Almighty. May we hear the words of our Father this morning. 
verse 21, backing up just a verse. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They, neither, uh, they have neither store, storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy, Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches, no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So, Father, these are the words of life. These are your words. And even as we just read them and honor them, through the public reading of scripture, even as we just hear them, there's something, something unique. There's something alive in them. And so we just invite you through your written word. May we encounter the grace, the forgiveness, the fullness, the freedom, the provision, the acceptance, the significance, the security that is ours only in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the road that's going to get us to generosity eventually comes through some comparisons. And the comparisons are, don't worry. Um, instead, have faith. Second comparison is don't seek, but seek first. And the third comparison is fear not for your father. And we'll get to that. Okay? The first thing that uh, Jesus is raising up to us, if we're going to overcome insecurity, move to this place of security, if we're going to overcome this whole idea of um, God, uh, there, there's just not enough to go around. The first thing that we have to face into is that we have to face into the whole idea of worry. 
We have to choose. Now, in Jesus' mind, this, this is a challenging thought, but I challenge you to wrestle with it. We need to choose to trade worry, anxiety for faith. Right? Now, that's a challenging thought because that to me, and believe me, I worry, and believe me, I do get anxious, and we're lying to ourselves if we don't say the same thing. The challenging thought in there is this, that if I am worrying, if I am anxious, I am not living by faith, at least not by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Okay? And so I have to be challenged by that. And he uses ravens and lilies to challenge me. He says, look at the ravens. Look at the birds. I mean, they don't do anything to plan for the future. And God, now I'm not advocating not planning for the future because the story above this, when the, the guy has the storehouses and he's planning for the future, the, the ignorance, the absurdity is not having storehouses. The ignorance and absurdity is he, he already had storehouses full and he tears them down to build bigger ones. Now that's dumb. Don't do that. But planning for the future is not under attack here. It's the idea of don't get anxious, don't worry about it, because if God provides for ravens and birds, how much more will he provide for you whom he created specially, specifically in his image? Right? And, and the way to move from fear uh, uh, over that anxious stuff in our lives to faith is to recognize, wow, look what he's done so far, right? Yeah, he has not let us down. He continues as a father to provide. And it's an amazing thing to be able to step back and say, Lord, I'm going to choose not to worry and not to be anxious. I'm going to choose to live by faith. Thank you. And that really is a, is a choice. Right? And that choice is precipitated by renewal of your mind. Okay. I uh, I've had this experience, lady, and uh, lately I'm working with a a couple of couples, and uh, as I get together with them, whether it be by video or in person, I just sense all this anxiety and this just hey, 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 there's just so much coming out of them. And what I'm realizing is I'm experiencing all this is that this didn't just happen right in this moment. They've spent a lot of time renewing their mind over all of the whatever it is. All the things that aren't fair, all the things that aren't right, all the things that could go wrong. And that's what they're renewing their mind in. And you get in our presence, just, ah! And at some point, I haven't been bold enough yet, at some point I'm going to say, you, you got to make a choice. You have to make a choice. You're choosing to renew your mind in the things of this world and brokenness and it all it can lead to is anxiety and worry. You gotta choose to renew your mind in the things of God. Because as you do, that will lead to rest and my burden is light and walk with me and follow me, right? It'll lead to, I got this, you don't have to worry. I got this. And the only way you get to that point is by renewing your mind in the things of God. I've, I know I've told this story here before, but when my oldest was very young, 
he uh, would trust me with his life. I'd put him up on things and he'd jump into my arms. I'd put him up on a tree branch and he'd jump into my arms. My dad came over one day and he was up on a tree, literally, was, my son was up on a tree and I said, Dad, come here. And he came and stood underneath Luke and he said, jump. And Luke hang on, hold on to that tree like, like it was his lifeline. I think, well, what's wrong? Isn't my dad worthy? Couldn't my dad catch him? Yeah, but he didn't know him. He knew his father. And it's so easy to jump into the arms of the father when you know him. And there's so many of you that worry, worry, worry when what the answer is, renew your mind in the things of the father. And the father will appear as he is, which is this. There is nobody more worthy. Jump. The second comparison that goes on here is seek not but seek first seek not the things of this world when you make that your priority when your priority is committed to things that are going to dissipate things that are going to turn to dust you will not move from scarcity to generosity it will not happen because you're holding, literally, you're holding on to dust. You're seeking after dust. So don't do that, right? And the answer is, don't seek the things of this world, but what? Seek first the kingdom of God, and he'll supply the things of this world that you need. Now, this, this is not rocket science. It's not complicated. In fact, it's sometimes just challenging. It's so simple. Well, if I'm going to move from anxiety and worry to faith, it requires renewing my mind. If I'm going to move from seeking the things of this world, the answer is to seek the things of the kingdom. Prioritize kingdom stuff, right? And that's what it comes down to. If all of your time and your energy is being devoted to things that are dust and none of your time and energy is devoted to things of the kingdom, or this much, we're never going to get there. So we have to look at our time, our priority. I'm not saying don't work. I'm not saying don't plan. God has created you to work. He has created you to plan. But see the priorities as kingdom priorities first. How are you using your time? Are you committed to loving God and loving others? Great commandment. Are you committed to making disciples of anybody and everybody who will fall into your path? Great commission. Are you committed to the fellowship of the body of Christ and not just a few minutes on Sunday morning when somebody's speaking at you, but the fellowship of the body of Christ? The only way we move from seeking the things of this world and that becomes what we're grasping for is seeking the things of God's kingdom. And it's amazing how that shift as we renew our minds in the things of Christ and we recommit our time, reprioritize our time for the things of the kingdom. It's an amazing shift as we begin to go from insecurity to security, from scarcity to generosity. It'll happen. And the last contrast that we hear, I love this. It... it uh, it just jumped out at me. Look at, look at verse 32 of chapter 12. 
Gospel of Luke. Fear not, little flock. <laughs> I, I don't know how you take that. I mean, you could take it disparagingly, I guess. But I love that. That's all we have. We're just this little flock. We're just this blip. We're just this ant. That's all we are. And he cares. He's watching. He's with us. He's for us. Isn't that amazing? That, that's really it. I loved international travel because of what it does to me. I get on that plane and I think, who am I? I'm just a blip. I'm just an ant. And yet the Father watches me. The Father has my days numbered before I live one of them. The shark in the ocean that may take me out one day is only by his plan. <laughs> the pit of vipers that I fall into in Liberia is only by his plan. In some way, little flock, that's really encouraged. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Little flock, the chief shepherd loves you. His eye is on you. It's really good news. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Isn't that good? Part of your father is not one of scarcity, it's abundance. Oh, child, I want you to have the kingdom. And if, you, if, if you're catching that, the next words make a whole lot of sense. She's like, I'm going to sell everything. <laughs> I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to give it all away because my father loves me and my father wants me to have the kingdom. Isn't that right? It's like, oh, no, I got to sell everything now. No, I get to sell everything now. I'm not literally advocating selling everything. But you get what I'm saying. When we get and catch the heart of the Father, you move real quickly from holding on, tight-fisted to this place of generosity. We've adopted kids that are not our own because the Father showed himself to us and we said, oh my goodness, my Father, King Father, God Father, he loves me and he wants me to have the kingdom. Don't have the resources to adopt. Don't have the resources to raise one. But my Father wants to give us the kingdom. It's a whole other place to live. Now, I want to keep reading, and this is where we, we are going to wrap it up here. This is, I don't even know how long I've gone, I've gone, but it doesn't feel that long to me. So, <clears throat> verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And this seems to be a proverb that, Jesus is proclaiming as reality. Don't deceive yourselves. You see, wherever you commit your mind, wherever you commit your time, and wherever you put your resources, that's where your heart's going to be. And if you commit your time, and you commit your mind, and you commit your resources to the things of this world, just be aware Here's what you get. You get worry. You get anxiety. 
you get dust, you get fear, you get faithlessness. But good news, the word of truth, the person of truth, it also applies the other way. If you get commit your mind to the things of God, your time to the kingdom of God, if you give your resources generously because your father, O little flock, wants to give you the kingdom, you get peace and you get life and you get significance and you get security and you get all the things of the kingdom of God added unto you, added unto us. Oh, I think the choice is simple. Do we see Jesus? Do you see Jesus? If you do this morning, then let me encourage you together. Let's bow. Let's fall. Let's say, King of kings and Lord of lords, my God in whom I trust, where else would I turn? For there is life in no other. And in his presence, everything else is added unto us. Let's stand together. Father, you know where each person stands. You, you know what's on their mind. You know what's on their heart. You know what their calendar looks like. You know what their bank account looks like. You know it all. And you're inviting them into rest. You're inviting them into life. You're inviting them from insecurity to security. It comes only through faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May we renew our minds May we reprioritize our time. And may we see our resources as not being the end, but only the beginning. May we release them generously because we, as little as we are, we don't need to fear because our Father, Father God Almighty, creator, sustainer of all things, wants to give us the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Meet us where we're at. Solidify what you're doing in our hearts as we sing. And we pray this in Jesus' name.